0: Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Welcome to Campus Christian Fellowship's summer study. Uh, We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And usually um, whenever I teach on the first chapter of a book of the Bible, I I try to give a lot of background information and talk about, you know, who wrote the letter and, and who the audience is and just kind of some of the context of like the area being written to. But this is 2 Timothy, and we just finished covering 1 Timothy. And honestly, most of the background that you get from 1st Timothy, it's it's the same as 2nd Timothy. You've got the same guy writing it, Paul. You've got the same person receiving it, Timothy. Um, he's still serving in the same place, Ephesus. And so if you want to hear about some cultural contacts, go back to uh, the podcasts on 1st Timothy and check those out and kind of, you know, familiarize yourself with, with the background. And it's you know basically the same for second timothy with the exception that a little bit more time has passed um so this is a little bit later in paul's life is a little bit later in timothy's life um from as far as we can tell from context he's still at the church in ephesus uh, and so there's maybe some things that have changed a little bit in the church um but it's still largely the same context same kind of city same kind of things that are going uh, along and going around there um but there is something uh, that I would like to kind of point out about 2 Timothy, and it's the idea that this may have been Paul's final letter that we have. Um, it's incredibly hard to date and, and try to put together a timeline for all the different letters that Paul wrote, um, not only because he wrote a lot, but because there are two specific regions and places and specific people. And so there's not always that much reference of, of time passing or of um what year it is or those kind of things so it's hard to piece together exactly when these letters were written and which one was written first and which one was written last and everything in between Uh, but there's some context within second timothy that leads you to believe that even if this wasn't paul's very last letter it, it was one of his later ones and and one that he definitely seems to be feeling like his time in ministry is coming to an end um, because, you know, he's quite aware that it's likely that his life is coming to an end because he spent all this time in prison and house arrest, kind of has a death sentence on him, uh, that he knows the date is kind of looming, that there's not necessarily that much time left. And so one of the things that makes that kind of significant is as you look through 2 Timothy, um, having kind of the attitude and thought in your head that maybe these are Paul's last words, And and that he has some awareness that these are likely his last words. Um, There's some things in it that maybe would stand out a little bit more, or carry a little bit more weight um, as you consider the the words that Paul wrote. So that's, it's not something that I'm guaranteeing, you know, I'm not saying for certain that this was Paul's last letter, but it's just uh, as likely as any other option. Um, And and I think it might even be a little bit more likely than some of the other options So that's not necessarily something that's uh, a bad thing to carry forward A bad thing to think about as you read through 2nd Timothy And talking about reading through, let's go ahead and dive into some text Um, This is 2nd Timothy chapter 1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God In keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus To Timothy, my dear son Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's hit pause on the text reading right there um, because, a- as I've said many times before, one of the keys to unlocking what what's going on um, in, in a letter is, is to take that very beginning of the letter and to see um, kind of the things that, especially with a, a letter that Paul has written, the things that he's emphasizing, the characteristics of God, uh, especially that, that he's putting forward. And, and so he talks about um, the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Again, if we have that thought that maybe this is Paul's last letter, um, keeping with the promise of life, that's something that I think would be that much even more present in Paul uh, in his thinking that, that he has life, life eternal in Christ Jesus. So that's something that he definitely is, is, a promise that he's hanging on to and that he's, uh, maybe even getting excited about. Um, and, and then he says when he's addressing Timothy, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father in Christ Jesus, our Lord, grace, mercy, and peace. So those are the, I think the, the attributes of God that he's wanting to emphasize here. And, and so those are the things that he wants Timothy to be thinking of. Be thinking of God's grace. Be thinking of his mercy. Be thinking of his peace as you read through this letter. Uh, and that those are going to be characteristics that, that are likely going to be emphasized by Paul. And uh, in the, in the le- rest of this letter. And then Paul jumps right into a prayer, um, as he often does in his letters. Uh, it's kind of, you know, standard formula, not only for Paul, but for uh, lots of letter writing of, of that day and age. Uh, so he launches into this prayer. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I I am persuaded now lives in you also. So this next chunk, uh, I think, again, if we have that attitude this might be Paul's last letter, he's thinking fondly of not only um, someone that he's discipled, someone that he's mentored, someone that he considers uh, a dear son in the faith, um, but he's kind of wondering, am I going to get to see you again um, in this life? I'm not sure if I will. Um, so I've been remembering you day and night and praying for you and, and longing to see you so that, that I, can, I can have that joy of being reunited uh, with someone that I care so deeply for. Um, but always I'm reminded of your faith and the way that you're caring forward and the things that you're doing. And, and so Paul wants to emphasize that idea of, of Timothy's faith of that being something that is carried out, that is seen, that is noticed. So often when we talk about faith, uh, we act like it's this um, kind of abstract concept that, that it's something that we keep to ourselves, and I have faith that this will happen, and there's faith. And, and the thing about biblically, oftentimes when faith is talking about, uh, and I'm reminded of a text from James uh, that says, you know, you, you show, um, sorry, essentially, I, I will see your faith by what you do. Uh, that faith is often proved by actions and and showcased by by what we do, and so I think Paul is is emphasizing that again to Timothy. Uh, I I trust that you have this faith because I've seen the ways that you've been working in Ephesus and the, and how you've persevered there and and the ministry that you're doing. I've seen your faith in action. I know you have this faith. Let's get back into some more text. Uh, This is verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit uh, God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. Love and self discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel and of this gospel i was anointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher that is why i am suffering as i am yet this is no cause for shame because i know whom i have believed and i'm convinced that he is able to guard what i have entrusted to him until that day i think this is such a powerful witness here of what it means to live the Christian life, that that Paul acknowledges, yes, I'm in prison, and yes, um, there's things that aren't necessarily that great in my life, That, but it's not shameful. It's something that I, in fact, rejoice in because I still know, still trust in God's power and his mercy and the life that he has given through through Jesus Christ. And it's it's so cool, I think, that he's talking about the fact that he's in prison and the fact that a lot of people would look down on him or, or think that God has left him and those kind of things. And he's like, it's actually just the opposite. I know that God is with me and he's giving me grace and mercy throughout this whole process. And it seems kind of counterintuitive to, for Paul to think this way, that that he's enduring all these hardships and yet he's rejoicing so much through them. Um, but it's that reminder of this is what it, it means to be a Christ follower, to be imitators of Christ. That, that's something that Paul tells us to do in, in Corinthians to imitate Christ means to suffer like Christ suffered because Jesus went to the cross and died for us it's it's not something um that he spared himself from from torture from pain from death Christ did not spare himself from that he took it on for us so that we could have life in him and in that way i think we can participate in his suffering that we can be okay with the fact that there is going to be suffering on this earth there's going to be things that don't go our way there's going to be things that that hurt us and and cause us strife and and kill us but we know that christ has already defeated all of those things on our behalf and that we can celebrate in that the life that we have in him and, and so Paul's actually using his own suffering to encourage Timothy to be able to endure, to press on, to carry on in, in this faith. Um, verse 13, he says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And then he closes out the chapter with the, um, these next verses. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including phygellus and Hermogenes. And may the Lord show mercy to the household of Ones Seferis, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. And so, again, we have a letter that's written for a purpose, and so he reminds Timothy of some of the people that have been uh, present in his life, some that, that are no longer present in his life, and some that have continued on at, at great personal cost um, to, to minister to Paul and to help him out in, in his ministry and, and to give him comfort and encouragement. And so that reminder of this is these are options that you have in your living life. Um, you can continue to serve God, or you can you can walk um, you can walk away from that, and, and you can <clears throat> just distance yourself from someone because well, he's in prison now, and so he probably can't do much, or maybe his word won't mean as much now that he's in prison. Uh, so let's just not help with him, or you can be like uh, Onesiphorus. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. But anyway, Onesiphorus, um, who who sought out Paul, who who did what he could to to help him, to give him encouragement, to refresh him, even while he's uh, in prison in Rome, um, he he seeks him out, continues to help him. Um, and likely these are people um, that are a part of the church in, in Ephesus. These are people that are maybe members of Timothy's congregation, and, and so that's why he's specifically pointing out these individuals, so that he can either honor them or kind of, you know, it, it's not really take them to task. I, I think Paul's Paul's view for those, even those that have stood against him, is that he desires reconciliation, that he wants them to come back to serving God. And so I think the reason that he's pointing these people out is not to shame them. Um, Oftentimes, I think in Scripture, when we see people in negative lights, we're like, well, that's kind of shameful. Like, you're going to go down in history as the guy who deserted Paul? Like, that's a bummer. But I don't think Paul was pointing that out for that reason. He was reminding Timothy, you have these people in the congregation who used to be on our team and then these these bad things happen, and, and tragedies occurred, and 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 they're kind of not really in our corner anymore. What I want you to do is seek them out and find reconciliation, and, and try to bring them back in the fold. Because I, I know that they are good people at heart, that they have things um, for them, and 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 at different times they served us quite well. So try to try to get them back. Let's let's get them on you know working for us again uh, because i want these people to to be to be friends to be confidants to be to be people that we can trust to be kingdom workers and and i think so often we just want to dismiss these people because we don't know anything about them but the cool thing is and i don't know this for sure for uh, Phygellus and Hermogenes but there are times when you see people mentioned in scripture and again, it's hard to tell because we just have names, and sometimes names are common. My name happens to be John, and there's quite a few of us in this world. Um, there might be more phygels than we know. there might be more Hermogenes, homo- there might be more you know throughout a name and and there's probably more than one person with that name. but sometimes you see in scripture like a name mentioned in in a negative light, and then later on you see it mentioned in a positive light and and I think that there's um Definitely people that are being reconciled to God that are coming back that are uh, that are doing incredible things for the kingdom when they could have just been counted out or shamed or forgotten about. but because they've been pointed out because uh, people have been asked to take note of them, that they are actually then helped to to be reconciled to be a, a, to be a, a beneficial member of of the kingdom of the church. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's He he is recommending Ones, uh, Onesiphorus uh, as someone to be commended, as someone to be honored, but he also mentions these other two guys, Phy- Phygelus and Hermogenes, um, because I think he wants them to be reconciled. And that's one of the cool things, I think, as we dig more into the writings of Paul, as we dig more into deeper into scripture, is that maybe some of our uh, assumptions can be challenged, and that we can find that, that God is always seeking reconciliation. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to Earth, is because He wanted to reconcile the world to Him, uh, to save it, so that we could we could be with Him, because uh, that's how much He loves us. He wants that reconciliation to happen in every possible way with every single person. That is God's desire, and and I think it's cool when we see that desire reflected in His people, um, Paul, who is trying to imitate Christ and desires reconciliation. Now, I, I get that sometimes a surface level reading isn't going to get you to that point. You're not going to think immediately reconciliation. Uh, but I think when we compare all the other things that Paul wrote and, and, and just the way that he talks about people and the way that he loves people, even sometimes when he's upset with people and and wishes that they were not teaching as they did or that they're not following who they're following or, or whatever, his desire is always for reconciliation of these people, that he wants them to have faith in God. And and again, that's why he commends Timothy for faith, because he cares very much about the faith of the people uh, that he interacts with. He wants reconciliation. He wants them to have that strong, good example of faith, of multi-generational faith that we see in Timothy, his grandmother, his mother, the faith that he now has, has been passed on So that's what we want to be doing, people who pass on faith, people who seek reconciliation, um, people who love at all costs and and are willing to endure any kind of suffering in order to display that love to be those kinds of people. That's what Paul's telling Timothy here in this first chapter, and he's got some more things to share with Timothy in the next three chapters. So we'll continue on with a study of, of 2 Timothy and and uh, next time we'll, we'll be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.